0: yo, and here we go, and welcome to another episode of We Talk Music. I am your host, Mr. Brett Podcast, and I am truly pleased today to be joined by Ryan Jones. He is the lead singer and rhythm guitarist for Corvus Lore. Ryan, how are you?
1: Excellent, excellent, Brett. Thanks for having me on the show today. It's it's an honor to to meet you and get a chance to connect with your audience, so thank you.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to digging into all the music. I mean, uh, you know there's some really good music that you guys have produced in you know in a fairly short amount of time and and so it's great to be able to talk to you about that I mean the new single right now is romantic traffic which is which is funny because so there's a Canadian band called the spoons and they also have a song called romantic traffic so when I think about it I always think about the Spoons song right now but we'll, we'll see if you can uh supersede that eventually but wow that's news to me I thought we were being truly original with that
1: sort of title so that's uh that's new information that I wasn't aware of interesting <laughs>
0: well we're not we're not spoons i know yeah. that nope that's right so so anyways you know tell me about romantic traffic and of course i mean you you guys have a second album coming out soon so
1: yeah we're sure just... so yeah romantic traffic is the second single off the upcoming album lucida that will hopefully drop sometime early in the coming year and uh, the first single was boxing ballerina which you may or may not know but for sure yeah. so romantic traffic, essentially, in a nutshell, is all about the crazy travels that I've had to more or less endure and go through uh, the past handful of years internationally. And uh, it just tells a story of you know how you know traveling isn't always all that glamorous, which a lot of people may may believe. And there's a dirty side to it. It's taxing, it's, you know, it's uh, stressful. It's, it puts a lot of strain on relationships. And uh, so the traffic portion of it really speaks to the mental mindset, you know, that I more or less endured and had to go through and and just the physicality of it all as well. But you know, I was practically over in Asia on and off for a handful of years. That was, it was a pretty trying time. So each sentence in that in that song you know relates to an experience uh, they're just not random words being thrown out there there's there's a lot of detail in that song that tells the journey that i was
0: on for the past handful of years well and there's no question that the video also shows the uh the downside of uh of having a horrible flight attendant <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know i mean uh v was she was amazing i mean she she <laughs> she really took that role and in- She just had fun with it and probably make our travel a little bit more fun. But yeah, we in the video itself, we tried to show um, just like, you know, the dirty side of things. Right. I mean, you're not going to always have the ideal situation. So particularly the flight crew, the pilot was actually our drummer, Julie Coutier. And and, uh, you know, they're disheveled, shall shall we say, and a little bit uh, risque and having a little too much fun and the no space cabby scene and the basically cabby and it was just it was a lot of fun to shoot that video so we just try to get a little you know cheeky with it a little fun just to show you know the wild semantics that all of us may encounter while traveling right
0: oh yeah for sure and I mean I mean anybody who has traveled on a regular basis knows that um that it it has a romantic side for about the first you know couple, and then after that it's completely like, oh,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: give me home, please yes. now yeah yeah I, can, is, right. yeah, can can we invent the Star Trek teleportation device so that we can just go where we want to <laughs> yeah. go immediately? Uh, is that an
1: app on my phone that I can yeah. download or something like that? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Get to it, Apple, but
1: uh, <laughs> right, 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 yeah, yeah it's definitely uh,
0: it's definitely trying at times. So then, you know, when it comes to the songwriting, like how long, for instance, did it take you to write that song?
1: You know, each song, as I'm sure you're well aware, they all have their own little journey. Some of them kind of write themselves. Right. And uh, that song, you know, musically speaking, came together rather quickly. Uh, I have a tendency when it comes to the lyrical portion where I just agonize over it. Uh, Billy Joel used to talk about the, the lyric and songwriting process, how it was just like, yeah, it's just painful, woefully painful at times. And very, very rarely do, do the lyrics just kind of write themselves. But that song came together because of just the experiences that, you know, I was trying to share, you know, with the world. It came out rather quickly. I would say, you know, lyrically it took me probably – Probably about a month to pull together and then musically, I think, you know, probably about the same time, you know, we will take like the framework to the band and the band, you know, all all of them are writers themselves and they just add all the bells and whistles and make it, you know, really a complete song. So it came together pretty fast. I'd say about a month. And then after that, you know, you just keep rehearsing it and then you kind of make some small little changes here or there. But it was one of those songs that came together rather quickly, in my opinion.
0: So then when it comes to being, you know, a guitarist as well, does that does that help? Like do you kind of come to the band with your ideas kind of you know pre-written a little bit on guitar and then just your voice?
1: Yeah, there's you know, a lot of the songs they they obviously start, you know, with someone coming up with the idea. And a lot of the times it's it's me. Humming something in the shower, I always joke about. I do most of my songwriting in the shower, you know. It seems like I don't know why that is, but uh, you know, just stuff just pops in my head, and I'll quickly grab the guitar and try to figure out what I heard, and and I'll start more or less getting uh, okay, what's the chord structure? What's you know, what's the roadmap of the song? Where's a bridge? Where's a chorus? And all that, all that jazz. And I will take that concept and a lot of times maybe some scratch lyrics or, you know, a working title to the band and I'll throw it at the band. And then, like I said, then the band starts adding all all their bells and whistles to it as well. And sometimes, you know, we will just, you know, parts that I may have written just end up on the, you know, cutting room floor. Right. But that's typically how it works. You know, I'll bring initial framework to the band and then everybody just collaboratively works together on it from that point
0: in. So then when it comes to other songs, you know, especially like just ideas, um, do you have do you find that like what I guess we we find a lot of people who really consider themselves songwriters? And so they're they're truly just writing all the time. It's mm-hmm. like an idea here, an idea there. Is that kind of where you'd put yourself? Is is a songwriter where it's just like, oh, there's an idea, gotta mark that down in my notes or something.
1: Yeah, well. I'm, I'm definitely no Bernie Taupin, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I consider myself a singer-songwriter at heart. I'm really, it's funny, uh, I, I've i written f- for other people. Um, I think songwriting, just like anything, like if you're writing a book or a movie script or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, writing is where it all begins, right? And it's it's hard. It's definitely not easy because you want to try to, you know, maybe get an experience across that is truthful and, and meaningful and purposeful to you, but still relate to the audience. And that's always the challenge. And then obviously trying to make it, you know, something of a, what I like to call like, you know, an earworm, you know, something very listenable, but I, I do see myself as a singer songwriter at heart. Uh, and, you know, not as much as a guitarist, you know, with Corvus War was the first band. That you know, I really was actually playing guitar and singing. You know, live, uh, they really pushed me in the corner on that and made me a better player for it. But typically at heart, I've always just sang lead vocals and just stuck with that. So you know, testing new waters, I guess, but it's working so far. I think.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So then, you know, I guess the question for me is: is like what made Corvus Lore? the kind of band where you said, yes, this is the band that I want to join?
1: Oh, chemistry, right off the bat,
0: without a doubt. I think it's it's
1: like the hardest thing ever, right? I mean, we all hear all the crazy stories about bands who don't get along with one another or, or just, you know, they don't have that, you know, chemistry amongst one another. And Corvus Lore is, you know, I look at, you know, Joey Cloutier and his drumming style and just the power but grace at times that he has and just, you know, the the ability to hear things in advance and just hit something like exactly like, Oh my gosh, that's where I wanted to go. It's like, he's almost in my head. Right. Eric Frazier our lead guitarist. Um, he just brings this, this unique style, which, you know, in my opinion, I, I honestly, I don't think there's a, a better guitarist I've ever played with. He has, he could do anything and everything that you could imagine, literally. I mean, you know, and he's a huge Van Halen fan, obviously, like most guitarists, and he could do all that stuff. He has all those abilities, but he's a very emotional player. When I listen to his guitar playing and like his leads, they're really just playing off the song. And he just has a great sense to carrying that energy and emotion on the lead guitar, which was the song's trying to convey. And then we look at Mike Onetto, who we always joke—we always joke with him about like why is he in this band? Because he's like head and shoulders above us all. We we walk into the room and he's warming up and just doing these crazy things. We all look at each other like he's in the freaking band with us, really. Um, he just—he has the ability to write bass lines that you sit, if you took it by itself, it sounds like he'd be playing a totally different song, but he finds a way to weave it into the current song and. I don't know just brings it to another level and so you have all those abilities and then you just have the guys themselves are just great people we're all you know we'll hang out together outside of you know you know the band itself and uh, that's a rare thing in my opinion and I don't take that for granted right so to me it was automatic from day one once we met the guys
0: yeah for sure and I mean it's it's so very true I, I think there are a lot of bands that don't actually I I don't know that they get along. I think it's just for the money. So yes, it's it's a nice it's a nice thing when you can actually get along together. Yeah, we're not there. Yeah, we're
1: definitely not doing this for the money.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Got to wait for a little bit longer for that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you better love what the heck you're doing. So yeah, which we all do, obviously
0: yeah it's interesting that you talk about mike like that because that was the one thing that i noticed when i was listening to uh to your first album there is is just the bass lines were you know stood out Mm -hmm. and i think that that's i mean it's one of the things that i love when you can when you can hear a bass line and you really get the get the feeling that it's just like this is going somewhere it's not just the standard like dump 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 you know you've got you've got something to it and and it really starts to stand out from the mix because I mean it it's the one thing about listening to music I mean everything everything it gets fine like I mean you can you can always hear something great in most everything but I mean it's nice when you can really hear the bass because it's, it's such a forgotten instrument almost sometimes. I was just going to
1: say that I think I think it's underutilized quite often, and I don't know if that's because maybe any given band they just kind of, you know, foresee that's the bass role, right? They don't don't just 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 hold it, okay, buddy, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and do, don't deviate from E, just thump E all day long, whatever. <laughs> but it's but with Mike, yeah, he just like he's playing chords. I'm like, gosh, I didn't know there's a I, I don't know there was a Z chord, right? <laughs> I mean, he just he comes up with shit that it's just like, it's amazing. And and it's very melodic, but he just, he's just amazing, you know? And uh, you know, his, his idol is Paul McCartney and you, you kind of hear a lot of Beatlesque in his playing style. And coincidentally, he's also a left-handed player and, I love that low B string. He plays a five five string bass on most of the songs usually because he's screaming at me because a lot of the songs that I write are in are in low D. So, <laughs> so he needs, so he needs that that extra low string there. But yeah, I think that's I think we call Mike like kind of like the secret weapon really in a lot of ways. So it's interesting that you picked that up. It's really cool, right?
0: Well, and then, and then, so then when it comes to your voice and, and you talk, you talk about like how you write in low D and stuff like that. So like, um, when you're singing, like, how do you write for your voice? Like, do you kind of know what you can do and therefore write to that? Or do you, do you try to challenge yourself every now and then? That's an interesting question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before.
1: If I were smart, I would probably like, yeah, I'm going to always write in G or something like that. Right. Um, you know, I never, I've never approached it that way. I just, again, like if I hear something in my head, I'll, I'll pick up the guitar and, and I'll try to find literally the note that I was humming in my head. And if, if it doesn't sound right on a vocal level, like maybe it's not the, I'm not being able to deliver in the way that I, I wanted to, um, especially with like, um, you know, an emotional level. Right. And so maybe I'll move things around. But when it comes to picking notes and all that, I don't. I definitely don't do it that way. It's it's what the song is asking for musically first, and then I'll just I'll just sing to whatever key that that song happens to be in. Um, I definitely challenge myself vocally. I you know I you know I've been blessed to be able to to uh, you know hit have a good range. You know um, you know growing up I would. I'd be listening to Queen's Reich and bands like that, to Zeppelin and all that, and all over the place. And over the years, I, I just, I think I just put my voice to the ringer. So I've, I've been able to adapt <laughs> <laughs> to like, okay, we're doing this one, and this is up in there. Okay, you better go for it. Okay, and let me uh, make sure I have some hot tea and honey, and I can hit it that day maybe. But uh, yeah, uh, I just, I don't, I don't approach it that way. I just whatever the song's calling for, and then I'll just go for it.
0: So then when it comes to live, like I mean, we've heard so much, especially recently about people who have to like down tune to uh, to be able to hit the notes Mm -hmm. a little bit better. Like when it comes to live, like how do you take care of your voice and and how and and are you able to still like, you know, kind of hit all those notes?
1: Yeah. So something I always got upset at and it's funny, I was talking about this to someone else recently you go see your favorite band or whatever, maybe one of your favorite bands live, right, Brett? And then the singer just like totally mails it in. And maybe they don't go for all the notes. And then granted, they're probably doing some, you know, long tour and they have to save their voice. So I definitely understand that. But they used to piss me off when I go see nailing the notes like they do on the album. And I remember at an early age, it's like, you know, I don't want to be that person. And so when it comes to live, I I take it very seriously and I challenge myself to sound just as good, if not better, than on the album. So I hit all those all those notes that you hear on the album, I hit it live. Um so in prepping in prepping for that, the day I show I kind of disappear. The guys give me shit about it because it's like you know, we'll be at the venue, or whatever. It's like, where's Ryan? I don't know he's <laughs> hiding in his car somewhere. You know, drinking some crazy concoction, getting his voice ready. Um, it's it's like it's game on. It's like I don't want to talk to anybody. Just leave me alone. I'm gonna get in the zone, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to nail those notes day in and day out. Now we don't, to- tune, we don't down tune at all. It's it's yeah. all straight up.
0: Yeah. Now, now we've talked to some people who have like superstitions before they go out on stage and that kind of thing. Like, do you have anything like that? <laughs> no voodoo dolls, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have all these, you know, in crazy, uh, I, I sit in a seance circle or something like <laughs> that <laughs> start meditating. No, I, I, I have a, some concoctions. I like to drink and and to be honest, I just don't, I haven't really found anything that truly, truly works, uh, you know, for the longest time. And I know a lot of singers who, who, if they did listen to this podcast, they're going to like, Holy shit, he's crazy. <laughs> I would actually drink milk quite often because I would have, uh, an issue where my throat was just too dry and I couldn't, I couldn't just, it was just so dry all the time. I don't know what it was and milk would just coat it for me. And that's usually like the biggest no, no for Mm -hmm. a lot of singers. And it's just like, for me, Oh hell no. I mean, it was, it was the savior of a lot of the times. (laughs) So no, no crazy rituals, you know, not, you know, running around naked in the park or anything (laughs) like that, but, uh, uh, just, just be healthy, exercise, do whatever you can to keep yourself
0: in, in great shape. And, and just go for it, man. Let it rip. So then, you know, what's the, what's it like seeing a Corvus lore show live? Then?
1: I think you're going to see, well, I know you're, de- you're definitely going to see some great musicianship. And I'm not, I'm not talking about me because those guys in the band are, are way better than I am. And, uh, you know, Eric, again, you know, going back to Eric, he's it's a phenomenal Player and you'll see a lot of diversity in his playing style, and he touches a lot of areas, um, whether you know it's, it's hard rock or almost a Latin type thing or anything of that nature. Eric just spices things up. Mike, you know, he does a lot of great uh, backup vocals. He's a singing bassist. He's got a great voice. So on top of his phenomenal playing, you're going to see him singing. And then Joe is just—we call him Manimal. That guy—it's—it's it's just like I don't know what it is. I don't know anybody who could hit any harder than he does. But there's a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of interaction with the crowd. Um, we we keep things moving. Uh, we have a good time. Uh, it's just an all-around great vibe. And you know, we see a lot of lovers of music coming to our shows. They want to hear you know good songs, something that's catchy. Sounds familiar, um, but new and fresh, and that's kind of what you get with a Corvus lore show.
0: And then one word that I've noticed has come up, you know, a fair bit is, and and it's so important to me with music is emotion, and like, how important is it, you know, for you to get because I because I know with singers a lot of time it's more important to get <laughs> to get the emotion right than it is to get the actual note right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think when it comes to like even live or, you know, I know recording it's more so, but even live it's, it's about getting into that space and projecting and trying to get across what the song itself is trying to say. And the biggest, the greatest way to do that is through the voice. Right. And so I, I will deviate from what maybe you might hear on, on the record, given whatever was going on at the moment, just because of, okay, at this given time, there's there's something going on. There's some chemistry happening on stage here that, you know, is there, sometimes maybe not there. And I'll, I will try to project that emotion, uh, whether it's an extra breath, it's a crack in the voice, you know, you're faltering a little bit, you know, you're kind of, the voice decays, as I like to describe it. It's It's those little nuances to me that are like the, the biggest differences in a lot of ways, and there'll be times where I'll be recording in the studio, and it's like, oh, I want that note to be perfect, and it wasn't quite perfect. And the, the producer's like, no, you're not fixing that. That was <laughs> that was really cool how you screwed that up. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's all about emotion. And you're right. It it's to me if if you could you know emotionally connect with somebody via through your the
0: music. And that's the
1: most powerful thing in, in a lot of ways.
0: So what's it like then now for you, especially like, have you always played with a guitar? I mean, you said that you kind of picked it up to join Corvus Lore. It, like, is it tougher singing and playing guitar at the same time?
1: Absolutely. It is, it is brutal. I keep threatening to the band's like, we need another guitar. So I just saying, and Eric's <laughs> like, nope. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, geez, thank Eric uh it it's really challenging i know you know i look at people like dave manichetti how in the hell does that guy oh yeah yeah how how in the hell i mean his vocals are amazing and he's doing lead guitar as well Yep. it's like wow he's just on another planet you know, and it's just just phenomenal. People like Chris Cornell. Now I know Chris Cornell didn't like sing every his uh play guitar every song, but you look at it what he's doing and, and their timing of their songs are they're screwed up, right? A lot of the times. <laughs> and how he's able to carry it and sing at the same time is just it's phenomenal. Um so with Corvus Lore, it was for me, it was it was new. I mean, I've always sang and played at the same time, but basically when it was writing and then when you know it got to some difficult parts, or whatever, it was like, oh, yeah, you guys are taking over from here. <laughs> um, but I've I've I'm really grateful that the band's really pushed me in that direction because I've definitely feel like I've got a, a really good grasp on it now. Um, and it's difficult to separate like your hands from your head when you're singing something totally different. I think the greater challenge for me is there's something that happens when you put a guitar on somehow what it does, it just makes it difficult to actually more difficult to project and like mm-hmm. really go for go for it vocally. I don't know why that is, but it's like when you have a guitar hanging on your body and obviously you're occupied playing it, but there's something where it, in my opinion, it takes away a little bit, some ability to like really go for it vocally. Um, and that's something I'm just striving to continue to go better and better and better at. So it's,
0: it's a challenge. Yeah. That's interesting. So w- tell me then what, what would you say you're like the best show that you've ever done is? And, and then in contrast, the worst show. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. Worst show with or without Corvus Lore?
0: I mean, I think either.'s
1: fine, yeah, probably worst show was I was in I was in an original band, and I ad- accidentally knocked out a lady with the headstock of my bass. <laughs> Jeez. i was I was playing bass in the band, and she got a little too close and rushed the stage. and I don't know, I was in the zone, and I turned around and I clocked her right across the head with the headstock of my base, total accident. And she went down like a sack of nickels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, wow, it was crazy. Everybody kept playing, but it was, it was pretty brutal and I was off the rest of the night. I felt terrible.
0: Um, yes, I, just I,
1: believe had, that. I just, I just couldn't put it together after that. Um, best show definitely with Corvus floor um we had some really we had some really great shows at the rock bar in in san jose before it shut down that was that place was a gym a lot of national acts would go through there um that was a great show and we had a a fantastic show at catalyst in santa cruz another really popular place Uh, it's hard to pin it on there uh for me a great show and there's never going to be the perfect show but for me a great show is obviously the crowd is engaged and they're having a good time that's first and foremost number one and then two is the bands is executing at a high level so those those couple of shows come off to the
0: top of my head you know those two in particular were really great so what's the music scene like in the bay area right now
1: it's popping i think you know people are still kind of coming up you know waking up from the pandemic i think um Unfortunately, a lot of, you know, venues didn't survive and the ones that did, there's the crowds are hit and miss, you know, traditionally speaking, I think a lot of the venues are just surviving off of bringing tribute acts in there, which, you know, there's a a lot of great ones. And I totally understand that they're trying to run their business and make ends meet for original artists. uh, You know, it's it's a little bit tougher sledding, right? It's tough to get in, you know, in the door. But there's venues that are open to it. Um, you know, we got we just did a show in Concord, Vinny's, uh, and then we got uh, Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco, which is a, an all um, Valley of Fire Records event. So we're signed with Valley of Fire Records, and uh, the Watchers are playing that night. And also, I believe the Devil in California. So it's going to be like a trifecta of valley of fire artists that night and that bottom of the hills is is crushing it they're in san francisco that place kicks ass uh so it's we're seeing we're seeing the scene to start to pop up a little bit more but you know i think attendance is still a bit down but i think it's starting to come around a little bit more
0: yeah which is great i mean live music is of course the lifeblood of of everything, I mean when when I think about live music, it's just like if I didn't have it, and I know what it's like now to not have it and and I'm pretty miserable
1: right, right. and music is the one thing that brings us all together, right? yeah, and that's that's the irony behind it all. It's like we haven't been able to get together, and then the music just you know, crap, no <laughs> we need we need to get together because music just is it just crosses all boundaries and you know people put everything aside and just you know it unites us so it's to me music is the most powerful thing ever.
0: Well and that's it right and 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 it's like I've always said like great music is great music. I don't care who makes it if it's great music then it will transcend what whatever like likes or what have you.
1: Right. Exactly spot on spot on man.
0: So yeah then then like how how hard is it for you guys to get shows? Like, do you, do you, how often do you want to play? Yeah,
1: we're not playing a ton. I mean, we, we we're probably playing on average maybe about once a month right now. Um, and granted we've been a bit more selective, you know, we're, we have opportunities to play at, at venues, but we pass on them and, and at the risk of sounding snooty or anything like that, it's just, we're very sensitive to, to making sure that we we put ourselves in the best possible light, right? And you know, try to align ourselves with venues that are going to represent the band really well. And because uh, you know, the bar is, is set much higher now. We're representing a label. We want people to hear the music, obviously, but we're not doing ourselves anything, you know, good for the band if if we're just you know tucked in a tiny little corner you know, at a, at a little pub. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all those places are important and they all deserve good music and they all get great music. So we, we've been a, a little bit more selective and because of that, we're not playing as often as you know, we probably could be.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, you know, you talk about Valley of Fire and like how, yeah, you know, how important is it to be on a label? Like what did they do for you?
1: Oh, they're amazing.
0: So as you probably know, they're, a
1: fairly recently new uh, label and they're owned and operated by uh great Tim Narducci and JJ Garcia. So it's a small team, but they are, I mean, they're phenomenal. They, they definitely are just burning the wick at both ends doing anything and everything they can for the band. They help with finding gigs, booking gigs, uh, making good connections that way. Uh, PR services, you know, we we hooked up with uh, Jody at you know best bet promotions. She's she's incredible. And they've just been, you know, 110 supportive of us. And they're true, true partners and like being thought partners on like, okay, what's the next single? Uh, how are we gonna drop this? Uh, we they're we're very strategic with everything and they're very open and involved and engaging with us. So they, they've been awesome. I can't speak enough about them, how great they've been.
0: Yeah, because it's always one of the biggest questions that I have is like with all the new music that comes out and that we have access to nowadays, how do you try to cut through? (laughs) Right? I mean, there's... (laughs) And hey, let me know if you have the answer. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, yeah. If I ever figure it out, then, yeah. then I'm I'm going to uh, to join the music industry and, and just become the the new Svengali of music it, because that's what I would do it. But
1: right, it's tough. I mean, and there's and like you said, there's so much great music out there, and with today's technology, obviously, it's it's that much easier to get in everybody's hands. But at the same time, I also think it's that much more challenging because there's so much content. That is just coming out. It's it's almost overwhelming. And so, how do you get noticed within that? Right. That's that's the challenge. That's that's the huge challenge of it all. And uh, I think again, going back to Jody at Best Bet Promotions and everything, that she's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I can't speak enough about her and her team and what they've done. And we've definitely seen, um, you know, an uptick uh, in awareness of the band because of of the efforts in her team and. It takes it takes a lot of people. I mean, if you think you're just gonna be a band and write good music and go out there, everybody's gonna find you. No, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> you you need you need a label behind you, you need promotion behind you, you need marketing behind you. You need a lot of people behind you to make it happen. And it's as you know, it's a business and people like yourself, it's huge, Brett. I mean, what you're doing is is a tremendous service to to all the audience and anybody who's willing to stay, take a pause and listen. So, and again, I appreciate you
0: taking the time. So, well, and you, and you know, for me, like, especially, uh, you know, my co host is away today, but, uh, but, you know, when we started this 11, 12 years ago, uh, I mean, yeah. what it all came down to was that this was our way to give back to the music industry because the music has given us, you know, so much in our life. So it's like, yes, how do we give back? Well, this is one of the ways that we can give back.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, again, this is where technology is now, you know, really great. You're able to do this sort of thing and just reach really anybody at any time around the globe. And the fact that you and your partner have been doing this for twelve plus years is that's incredible. I mean, it's it. I think it touches more people than you probably realize. I hope you you understand that. I'm sure you do. But it's you're you're definitely making an impact out there. So keep it up, man. That's awesome.
0: Well, and that's the goal, right? I mean, it, like the way that I see it is that if we help you guys sell an extra album or you know, an extra hundred albums, then awesome. That's my job is done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very grateful for what you do. Very grateful for what you do.
0: So now before before you were in Corvus Lore, you were doing a lot of session work. Um, What's what's it like being a session player?
1: Uh, It can be a little stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was, you know, I was I was hired to come in and do vocals and actually some writing as well. And doing vocals is is could be stressful because it's the most complicated instrument. You just never know what's gonna if it's gonna behave that day. You can wake up in the morning it's like nope, <laughs> we we, it's not happening today, Ryan. Sorry, you're, you're you're gonna just you know, you're just gonna sound like James Earl Jones all day, you know, or something <laughs> like that. You know, you just it's not gonna happen. No Freddie Mercury for you, and. So it's a little, it's a little stressful in that because you're just wondering if if you're going to be able to perform on that given day and you don't want to, you know, tie up the studio and waste people's time and money and all that. But it it was enjoyable it because it's just like just being honored to, to be asked, first mm-hmm. of all, is mm-hmm. like that's that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um I enjoyed it, you know, but wasn't gonna some was wasn't something I was gonna really per se pursue or anything like that. And doing my own music was really more rewarding than anything else.
0: Yeah, it, I I don't think it's not every day that uh, that the wrecking crew comes into existence again, kind of thing, where it's just mm-hmm. like you know session players that play on you know all the best songs <laughs> for the most part.
1: Right. Yeah, and and like you know, I know Mike was a session player for a bit as well, and it's just like you're just going through the motions. Right. I know it's just like this, how is this rewarding? And it's just like totally stressful. Yeah. It's just like, you know, play this or play that, you know, it's like, eh,
0: okay. Yeah. I'm
1: just, you know, an instrument, which you are playing an instrument, but you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're a tool instead of a, it's less creative I would think because it's, it's like, this is what we need you to do. Do it. You're you're a, you're a tool, and then afterwards we put the tool back in the box.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So doing original content is it's just the way to go. It's just the harder way to go.
0: Now let's talk about uh, let's talk about "Boxing Ballerina." I mean, it's uh, it's another mm-hmm. wonderful song, and and the videos uh, really good. Like, are those like between that romantic traffic? Like, are those really typical of what we're going to hear on the album?
1: Yeah, uh, there's some twists and turns on the album. Um, there's there's a song on the album that we're our next step for us. We're, we're probably going to drop one more single before we release the rest of the album. And so I think our fans will expect a U-turn with this this next single coming out. Um, so stay tuned for that one. That That's going to show a whole other side of the band. Uh, and then on the rest of the album. Yeah, it, there's. You know the boxing ballerina and romantic traffic i would say are do i dare say it uh, radio friendly ready mm-hmm. right they're 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 you know they're they're really good catchy songs at least i hope they are <laughs> and the the other songs on the album get get a little bit deeper and more diverse or dynamic so but there's they're all in my opinion very catchy very catchy sing along songs and uh so, there, but there are some twists and turns on it. And, uh, yeah, Boxing Ballerina, get into that really fast. It was, that was a fun video. We shot that in seven hours. Wow. Yeah. And we rented out a professional boxing ring in San Jose, California. The owners were kind enough to let us set up in the actual professional ring. Like, oh, hey, can we put our kit and our hands and everything in there? Like, yeah, sure, no problem. And, um yeah, that and Mike Slope, the videographer, producer, who also did Romantic Traffic, I mean, the way he filmed and edited that that piece is just phenomenal. Won us the Poppy Jasper International Film Festival for that video um, for Best Rock Music Video. It was amazing. Yeah, that's cool. So that song was just phenomenal. And just in a nutshell, it, it's really about the differences that we have with close loved ones friends and family that we have in life and overcoming those differences. And we beat the shit out of each other from time to time. But in the end, we're all together on the same page. So that's why the video depicts in the boxing ring, you'll see, you know, a, a, a gal boxing a guy or whatever. It's like, why are they duking it with this two, two totally different walks of life, you know, duking it out right now. There. Um, so we just kind of wanted to show that vibe and, Mike was able to capture that raging bull kind of vibe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was really cool. So, great video. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, it was
0: done in seven hours. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, especially when we think back to the early days of making music videos where it was just like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, two weeks to do a music video. Now it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, pennies and seven hours. That's what you got. <laughs> I wish it was pennies. It's definitely not <laughs> <my> pennies. <laughs> So that are you doing a music video for the third one as well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um kind of going over some script ideas
1: right now. Uh don't know exactly where we're going to land on it, but I think I think videos, I don't know how you feel about it Brett, but I think videos are so important. Uh we've kind of gotten I think lazy over the mm-hmm. past decade or so with with just not really providing you know the imagery behind the songs and i would say the video does just that and i i enjoy the video making process just as much as i do the uh songwriting process i just think it's a totally different art and blending the content of the song into the video is is a really unique challenge and I enjoy it quite a bit. So definitely we'll, we'll have a third video. I think it's just, it just gets the point across that much more and, you know, going
0: back to that word emotion, right? It draws the emotion out of the song. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and that's the thing, like I love your videos because I love the fact that, that we do get to see a story and we do get to see, you know, it, it does just kind of add a little bit of extra something, something to the, to the mix.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think we need to challenge ourselves with the videos, you know, to your point, show that story, try to weave something together that like makes you think or just really draws you in. So yeah, we take the
0: video making process just as seriously as we do the, the songwriting process yeah it's it's funny when you talk about like how you enjoy it well we talked to jeff tate at one point and uh and we asked him about the last music video that he did and he was just like oh it was a horrible experience if i never do another <laughs> music video again then it'll be too soon and it's just like oh hey there <laughs> well maybe
1: they had him in a, a pit full
0: of vipers or
1: something i don't know i mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I i'm assuming yeah you can probably have horrible experiences basically doing anything but yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I I just get the feeling that he really just uh he just wants to sing live, and that's that's more or less it. <laughs> it yeah, was, I
1: don't have time for this other crap. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's all I want to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, so, I'm, yeah, I'm Jeff Tate. You know, yeah. I don't have time for this.
0: Yes. Is awesome. so it, it is funny I love you yeah, know, and that's the thing again it's it's what I love about doing these interviews because I love everybody has a different story everybody has a different take on everything and that's you know that's what makes it the world go round right so right right right
1: that's interesting that's that's a funny story
0: well um, I'm almost out of time with you here and so I do want to uh, to give you the chance to tell everybody how they can keep up with you and how they can keep up with Corpus lore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, so yeah, you can follow us on all the, you know, normal social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and all that jazz. And of course you can find us at com. and you could also find us on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Look up, uh, there's a YouTube channel for Valley of Fire Records. You can find us there as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it, you know, just uh, check in with us every once in a while. You know, hit the like button or the dislike button, whatever, you know. <laughs> At least dislike is some sort of recognition, right? <laughs> <guess> uh, so. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, uh, really Brett, I can't say it enough. I appreciate you you spend the time you have with me today and give me the chance to connect with you and your audience. It's awesome.
0: Well, and thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time and and I urge everybody to go out and uh find the band, find the find the music videos because A, they're awesome, and the songs are really, really good. So I want everybody to, to give them a listen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brett. Really appreciate it. Well, and uh and you know, all the best to you and uh and in the future and good luck. <laughs> yeah, and keep doing what you're doing, brother. Well, you That's know, awesome. and I'll be here and, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk again. Fantastic. Have awesome. a great rest of the day, man. Thanks, Red. All right. Bye, Bye. now.
1: That's the girl on the headline. One ticket for the show. Roll the Johnny's jails and nails for sale. Ross Green alone. i got a shipper hanging down on me. Cold grills cut through the we're gonna make